Modern Christian dads, modern Christian dads, modern Christian dads, modern Christian dads, 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 dads. Just a couple of dudes talking news, sports, and guns. What's up, guys? Welcome into the Modern Christian Dads podcast. My name is Jeremiah Johnson, and this is episode... I have no idea what episode number this technically is because we are right now dealing with the aftermath of something that happened on this podcast. I haven't recovered from it yet. Yeah. So what happened, if you guys are getting dialed in just just a day or two ago, our studio was broken into. Yeah. It was hijacked. Yep. Um, it, bad things happened. All, all I know is I walked in here and it smelled good. <laughs> it well, smelled all like I, re- I remember getting clubbed <laughs> over the head and I woke up in a closet. Yeah. yeah, that's that's what happened to me. And then I saw in my my podcast feed the other day an episode of Modern Christian Dads. And then it says something about a takeover. Oh. Yeah. And I, I couldn't believe it. Yeah. Well, I, I listened and our, our wives were on there. Yeah. Like, yeah, so we, Greg and I wake up in a closet. We're not for sure where you were at. <laughs> Kelly's game. I, uh, but, I don't know what they do to uh, you. Well, I woke up in a fetal position. And were I you had, sucking your thumb? Yeah, I, I think I was, and I was covered in bacon grease. So <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what happened. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, different thing. And we still, you know... We're not sure really what happened because we're yeah. delusional. We're out of sorts with ourselves. Yeah. All I know is we come back into the office. Pink lights are on. Yeah. It smells good. There's LaCroix on my office table. What? My stash of Mountain Dew is gone. Uh, just bad things happening. Well, we'll come to find out that our wives took over and hijacked the MCD podcast. Ooh. Oh, yikes. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, they took well, over, they grabbed our equipment, mics, did their own episode, and they had the gall, the angst, the yeah, uh, what you will. Yes. Do you know what they called <laughs> us? Do you know what they said about us? Um, that we're flaky fluky. What? I don't even know if fluky's a word. <laughs> But that's what I remember hearing, flaky, yeah. fluky. Yeah, that's what I said. I couldn't believe it. Yeah, that was really our response right there when well, we found out. I'm, I'm sure if you've looked at the stats that there, we probably didn't gain any. That's, and if you, I, I bet it went down. I, I bet there were hardly any listeners. I can't uh, imagine that that is going to be, it will definitely be our worst listen to episode. No, there's no it's doubt. It's got to be. There's no <laughs> doubt. Can, and I remember hearing one of them say that they didn't know how to burp. <laughs> how do you not know how to burp? Does anybody on the planet not know how to burp? Yeah, I, well, that must have been Belinda. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so guys, we're a little bit shooken up. Our wives, yes. the last episode, we were ready for this beautiful Episode number 50, yeah. Yeah. the conclusion I was, I was of our season, season yeah. number one, and the girls take over. Well, you guys, I guess if you want to listen to that episode, listen to episode number 50. It's currently uploaded on the Anchor platform. All over the world, it's released. We can't bring it back. Nothing no. we can do about it. I don't know. It's, it's but there. I don't know if anybody's going to really like it. <laughs> yeah, probably not. No. Uh, you so, can't unring that bell, though. Once mm-hmm. it's been rung... I, it's, yeah, it's out there. So this yeah. is going to be our last episode. This is going to be our last episode of season one. Uh-huh. Got a very special guest coming up in a second. But before that, let's give it up. We have Kelly Stevens back with us. Yay! Hello, everyone. Mm. <laughs> That's my fan. There it is. <laughs> All right. And Greg Craywick. Hello. Hello. Seriously. Oh, it's good to be back. It good is. To be back. Seriously. Yeah. And 
I'm here, Jeremiah Johnson. Yes, yes. that's true. Yes. Yes. How, how can oh. you get more people more excited about you than when you introduce me? That's um, kind of weird. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. It's all natural. It is <laughs> <laughs> very organic. Yeah. So okay, we're new. We, we have been for 50 episodes. We have been dudes talking news, sports, and God. There's a beautiful archive of 50 episodes now that you can go back and listen to. So we encourage you guys to do that because this is a show for dudes. We've been trying to bring you entertainment and encouragement. So you get a little bit of everything on the show, uh, some spiritual uplifting, and we're excited for season two coming down the pipe in just a second. We got a championship belt, the next championship belt. Uh, We have a gun in the office right now. We have a guitar. Uh, We have all kinds of manly stuff back in here. I got that gun for should they ever. Yeah. Try to take protection over. Yeah, yeah. again. So yeah. anyway, well, hey, we're we're not going to mess around today. We have Rick Allen. He is the national director of men's ministry for the Assemblies of God, based out of Springfield, Missouri, and he's going to join in us today to to talk to us dudes about being men of God, amongst many other different topics and things. I'm sure that we will get into in just a moment. But before we do that, we want to thank our sponsor. Hi, my name is Jeremiah Johnson. I am the host of Grace Point Daily and the Modern Christian Dads podcast. But most importantly, I have the coolest job of being the lead pastor of Grace Point Assembly in Carthage, Missouri. Our church is about helping people discover a relationship with Christ and your purpose in Him, connecting other followers of Christ together in relationship and living out the mission of God. Why don't you join us for a service next time you're in this area? For more information, service times, and our address, go to gracepointag.org. We hope to see you soon. All right. So today, none other than Rick Allen, uh, Director of Men's Ministry of the Sims God, is going to join us right now. Let's welcome him to the MCD podcast. Welcome, Rick. Well, welcome, Jeremiah. Thank you so much for letting me be on the show with you today. Hey, I know that you haven't really connected with us in person before, but we're so grateful that you're diving in here. Modern Christian Dads podcast. We're dudes talking news, sports, and God. And so we thought, man, who else could we? We tried to we tried to start searching out the internet for the biggest name people that we could find, and we found your name. Yeah. Well, aren't you, well, <laughs> I'm glad you did. I know that I'm probably on the B list, but I'm excited to be on a B list. I'm just glad to be on a list. <laughs> Well, uh, you know, tell us about, here's how I actually found you, Rick Allen, is actually I was at General Council of the Sims God in Florida in August, and they have these booths and uh, the merch area, et cetera, that you walk around. And so I walked by the men's ministry booth, and I saw some business cards sitting out there, and I was like, hey, let's get these dudes on the Modern Christian Dads podcast. And so I saw this business card there with Rick Allen, had a cell phone number on there, email, and all those kind of things. So I called you up. Well, I'm glad you came to General Council, and for those who may not know, that's just our, our Assemblies of God national or international many meetings that we have every two years, and we have about 20,000, 25,000 people there. So thanks for being part of the crowd. Yeah, it was really cool. You had these little cool light-up bracelets that my boys like kept going to the table every single day. So I don't know if you're only supposed to take one, but I think they got about 20 total, but thank you to the men's ministry uh, for that. (laughs) Well, Rick, tell us a little bit about who you are. Give us your bio for those that are listening. Well, I, I serve as the national men's director and a few other assignments at the national office. I wasn't raised in church. I was raised, uh, I was a drug addict. I was 19 years old and, uh, we're actually, he uh, saved and healed. I was. I had a terrible car wreck, and uh, and I just 
I was a drug addict and alcohol, living by myself with roommates and uh, just went to church and God just touched my life, changed my life and just gave me an opportunity to just to see what God could do. There's, you know, there's men uh, in the world, in, especially in the United States, that they look at their youth and they measure whether or not they were successful whether they were a failure, whether they can trigger off of that, or whether they want to repel against it. But here's the deal. Most men, will they will see their memories as their failures. And when your memories are bigger than your dreams, most men will become prisoners of their own paranoia. Mm. And so in men's ministries, we believe that men, regardless of your background, regardless of whether or not you've lived in church, not was in church, whether you've had one marriage or four, whether or not you've been arrested or not, the question is, is do you have the courage and do you have the strength to give it one more shot, to give God one more chance? Because the average man in America will allow his past to be his prison. Mm. And I'm uh, there's maybe someone listening right now that's just going, you know, I, I, life's been tough on me. My marriage is, un, is not working well. I'm not doing good with my kids. I've lost my job. And I just want you to know that for the next few moments, you're extremely important to me and to mm. Jeremiah and to Kelly and Greg. And that's why we're here. Yes, And so we want you to know that there's hope. You have an opportunity to see something happen in your life. So don't give up yet. And just understand, every action has an opportunity. Every action has a consequence. But every action means you're still in the game. So wow. play the game. Yeah, Move that- in. Amen. That's great. Well, let's, let's, I want to, I want to go to those. You, you said a few really powerful few statements there uh, as you were talking, but let's get into your story here a little bit, because I know you said, well, I, I was in drugs. I got, I got Jesus. And I, I know it's, it's not that simple, right? So let's talk a little bit about that. How did you, how did you get in the lifestyle? How did you get out of it? What, what led you to that life of drugs and et cetera? Well, it, being my father was in the military uh, our home was a dysfunctional home growing up, extremely dysfunctional. Uh, my dad, when a man cannot handle his identity, he will find an escape. When a woman cannot handle her identity, she will start keeping secrets. And so most, so I just, I watched my father. My father escaped into alcoholism. My father escaped into just doing his own thing. And that's what I did. I followed the steps of my dad. I was in high school. I played sports. Uh, I was I was just the average guy at the school. But uh, when when my parents moved and I was there after high school graduation, I just started running in the crowd like my dad ran in the crowd. And so I got in the wrong crowd with the wrong people. I was having a good time and sin. Listen, there's a lot of guys <laughs> out there that. A lot of guys will tell you, sin's not a bad place to be. Yes. But the problem is, <laughs> it's not a safe place to be. Amen. And so because of that, I was sitting in a bar on a on a Saturday night. 
and me and my two roommates and my one of my roommates said to me, said, listen, we're sitting in this bar trying to pick up women. We're spending money. We could go to a church and pick up women for free. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> praise God. <laughs> and so that's what Sunday morning we got up and we went to a church right down from our apartment. Happened to be an Assembly of God church. We didn't know what Assembly of God was. <laughs> my mother was a my mother's from Madrid, Spain. She's a, she's a Catholic girl. You know, I was a CEO Catholic, Christmas, Easter only. That's when I went to Mass. And so uh, we went down there. It was totally different. Church was different. Uh, I went to church for six months before I gave my life to Christ. I was intrigued by the calisthenic of the flesh. I was, I was intrigued by the the hunger of the people to find out something out of a book that I had that I had never written. And number three, I was, I was intrigued by how they truly believed God was a real entity, that he wasn't mm. a, a distant image of a picture or a cross or a rosary. Mm-hmm. And yeah. those things, I would go to church once a week, maybe, and just go in, sit in the back, I'd go into church high. I mean, I, I would go high to keep up with Pentecostal people. And and so after six months, uh, I had a terrible car wreck. I ended up in a hospital uh, over a period of about uh, 36 hours. I will see two angels. The second angel I'll see will be the same angel a pastor had seen six years early, six, seven years earlier, and, and told him that there would be a young man that would see the same angel he's seen to annoy him he had to work for me and he picked me i had long hair i was so skinny back then only had one stripe in my pajamas and uh, <laughs> he, said, you don't, he said you don't even look like what i'm looking for but you're the one and that night i was saved and i was i had my c4 and, uh three and four vertebrae uh messed up god healed my my neck he empowered me with the mm. holy spirit he called me in the ministry and delivered me from drugs instantaneously. Wow. So, Rick, what, what was that experience like? I mean, um, had you ever uh, dealt with an angel before? or No. Oh, no, no. No, I never dealt with an angel. The first angel, I mean, the first angel showed up to me. I had my car wreck on a Wednesday night of a week of revival. The angel, the first angel showed up on Thursday morning in the hospital room with me. And uh, and confronted me and then disappeared. And uh, and I sat in that hospital room all day long trying to figure out where that guy go to. I didn't even realize it was an <laughs> angel till after my pastor started talking to him and I started telling him what was happening. Uh, the second angel happened uh, in, in the altars uh, of that night because I wasn't going to give my life to Christ Friday night. Uh, my doctor who was taking care of me was a spirit-filled doctor. And I asked him if I could go to the church service. It was the last night of church. And I wanted to give my life to Christ. And then I wanted to come back to the hospital uh, before 10 p.m. so I could get my jello. So I wanted to be saved <laughs> and get some jello. That's my approach <laughs> to that. Praise God. And, uh, and I went to church that night. And don't they sang a long time. They preached a long time. I don't know anything that happened, but at the altar service, I didn't want to be the first person in the altars because the church that I attended then, they were very demonstrative with their prayer style. And I didn't want them. I had a 
portable halo brace on my neck, around my head, and I didn't want them to grab me, shake me, and I'd be dead. So I said, I'll be second. So uh, after three or four or five minutes, I don't, it seemed like an eternity to me. A young man went down to the altars and knelt at the altars. And when, he, and when he knelt, I ran down and started praying. And that's when I uh, gave my life to Christ. And after the service, I asked my pastor, where was the young man who prayed in the altars? And he goes, Rick, you're the only one in the altars tonight. <laughs> well, wow. And mm-hmm. that's when I told him uh, that, no, don't do that. That happened to me yesterday. And, uh, and I started I started describing the young man who was in the altars, and he started crying. He told me to sit down on the pew, and he told me, he said, you've seen the same angel I've seen. And he told me the story, what I told just a second ago. And then he anointed me, (laughs) over me, and and I didn't even know what it meant to be called to preach. I didn't know what it meant to pray. When I got, the night I got saved, guys, I didn't know there was an Old Testament and a New Testament. (laughs) I didn't know letters in red were Jesus. I didn't, I didn't, I couldn't quote a scripture. So like when I'm in ministry today and I go in churches and they say, okay, everybody quote John three sixteen. Yeah. I understand that church has no outward focus. Mm. It has become, it has become a Christian fellowship club instead of a Uh-oh. life station. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. You know, there's just a few things, uh, guys, I'll let you dive in as well, but Number one, as a pastor of a church, uh, obviously a podcaster, but a pastor is primarily, you know, we, I, I say this a lot. We got to keep praying that God will just supernaturally and creatively use us to reach people, but also draw people in, you know, right. like it's amazing how God is trying to grab hold of the hearts mm-hmm. of men. You know, you just picked an assembly guy at church, you know, the guy, uh, there's a guy at our church Sunday night who was there. Uh, he was there like six months ago. He came strolling in one night and he said i said oh, hey how are you my name's brian you know and i said well why'd you come here who'd you come here with well i got in a car accident yesterday and i figured god was trying to get my attention so i came here wow. yeah nice. yeah you know, wow you know god does that stuff today yeah god is drawing and, and trying to pull the hearts of men to him and he's going to do it in very creative and super natural ways Absolutely. you know and so we need to be aware of that as churches yeah you know we need to be praying and seeking that not just like well it's just gonna be another i mean i yell at our staff all the time i yell at them no, i'm just kidding <laughs> uh but you know i said guys let's bring our a game wednesday night sunday morning sunday night the times that we do ministry because we don't know yeah. you you don't know who's gonna roll in there yeah we got speaking of angels we got that one dude that rolls in to our church every once in a while i think he's an angel i don't know we can't like <laughs> Figure out where he's from, like pin him. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But that's that's powerful. That that you did that. And what I love, and here's what I want to encourage, I guess churches or pastors that might be listening to Rick that you said, is what you what got you saved was Jesus. You know, I want to remind churches today. uh, Maybe I'm speaking myself as a pastor sometimes where. We're trying to be so cool or, you know, ministry, like, is our worship band good? You know, like it, I didn't hear one second or one moment in that testimony where you said, man, it was just that that church was so amazing. Their ministry, the building, uh, the music, uh, that pastor's preaching was so excellent. I just fell on my knees and got saved. What was it that got you saved? That was a supernatural work of God. Yep. Well, here you know, that's the interesting thing, uh, guys is that when a guest comes to your church, they will listen to the platform, but they're going to watch the pews. 
And they're going to decide whether or not they come back on what they see, not what they hear. Yeah. So for men, I always in men's retreats, I preach, I said, guys, you have to understand that when a guest comes in the church and you don't raise your hands, you don't sing, you don't participate in the giving, you won't you don't even follow the pastor in the message. You sit there <laughs> with your arms folded. Do you realize that that guest looks at you and says, if he's not impacting you, he won't impact me. Yeah. I'm out of here. Wow. wow. And so men have the power. If, if every man should be a priest in his home, his church, and in the marketplace, that man has to understand that his responsibility is to be the conduit for God to move and not the cul-de-sac that God gets stuck in a circle where he can't do anything for anybody because we won't let God do anything in us. Mm. Wow. Go ahead. So well, men who, men who are, are veterans in the church— they, these men need to realize that we have men and women and young men and teenagers watching us. And if we are not actively engaging in the celebration of worship with the discipleship of the word, with the fellowship of the offering, we are not we are not allowing the reflection of Christ to minister to other men. And we're not even letting the reflection of Christ to minister to our own kids. And then they get upset when their kids won't serve Christ. And, and I say, but you did you did not reflect. You were just you, you, the, the, the worst color in the world for a man is beige. We hate beige. We hate beige walls. We like them. Because, but and so a man becomes beige. There's no character. There's no competencies. There's no chemistries for Christ. They're not in they're not in partnership with their pastor because the pain of their past won't let them serve the the church of today because they can't get over it. And so, you know, sometimes men just have to go to Lowe's buy a ladder and get over it. I mean, (laughs) men are struggling today because they have not been given an example and they've not been given the courage to step out. Mm. Men have been, the average pastor will continue to challenge a man. A man does not respond to a challenge unless he has the winning hand. Yeah. Most men that are given a challenge will fold if they can't win. Wow. Yeah. Well, I've, I've got a question, Rick. Um, after after you get saved, um, what what was the transition like for you? Was it yeah. immediate, and did you feel a call uh, on your life, or? Uh, was it a series of things that uh, God was just doing in your life? Oh, well, they, you know, my, I was saved on a Friday night, never went back, uh, never went back to the hospital. I'll bet you that bill's three million bucks. <laughs> and so, but he gave me a Bible and he said, listen, there's a couple things I want you to do. Number one, I want you to start in the gospel of Mark. This is one of the greatest gifts he gave me. He said, Rick, I want you to start in the Gospel of Mark, and I want you to read till you learn something. And the moment you learn something, I want you to stop reading, and I want you to get a notebook, and I want you to write down what you learned. And I want you to think about that all day long. Guys, it took me six weeks to get through Mark 1 and 2. Because <laughs> <laughs> I knew everything was new. Yeah, And when right, I went to right. show him that, I thought I was a failure. I said, Brother Johnson, I, I, I'm sorry. I don't get this. I'm still in Mark 2. He said, you mean to tell me you've been in this six weeks 
and you still haven't got past Mark chapter 2, God's going <laughs> to do something in you because you're letting the revelation of God cast the vision for your future. Most men, most churches, most pastors will talk about fresh vision when they have yesterday's revelation. Mm-hmm. You can't cast a vision without current revelation. That's that was right. the first thing he did. Second thing he did is he taught me how to pray. And here's the deal. I want you to talk to Jesus just like the, the way you talk to the guys at the bar. And I said, I don't care. <laughs> he said, just start talking to Jesus like you do at the bar. So the first thing is I don't use their name every other sentence. I don't You're say, right, hey, Mike, yes. you want Mike, you want this? Mike, I just start talking. And, he's, and I said, well, I hear all these people. He said, don't do that. Don't listen to the people that you've been for six months. I just want you to talk to Christ. And when you tell him what's going on in your world and what you're learning, I want you in your prayers to tell him what you've learned. Then I want you to sit back and just think about it. And that's how it started. And I did that 15 minutes a day. Talk and listen. Just think about what I said. Well, that's great. Well, I was just going to say this is Greg. Um, You know, we see so many, like in America, I mean, the leadership, the male role is under attack. I mean, I, I think it's it's like you see sitcoms and all the thing, and, and, and the guy, the father is usually portrayed as some kind of a dope or, you know, kind of a, you know, has no effect on the family whatsoever. And I, and we, we see that a lot in churches too. I mean, because even here, we've got a lot of single moms, you know, there's no dad or anything yeah. present. And I think, um, you know, as guys, it's important to disciple our, our, our young men so, so that they know how to grow in Christ. And, and I was just going to ask um, what you were thinking on that, Rick, or what, what you see in, in, in what you do. Well, in the absence of a man understanding his priesthood, he's going to position himself to become a beggar. Mm. Because a man would rather have his wife, his children, and his friends think he's ignorant than incompetent. So that's why most men don't do Bible studies. That's why most men don't have a hard time doing their devotions with their families, because they're afraid that if their children ask them a question and they can't ask it, answer it, it's going to show their inability of their relationship in Christ. So a man would like to always let the wife do it. And Mm -hmm. let's just pray and, or I'll do the big prayers at the big meals. You guys take care of everything. The average man, he doesn't know how to pray for his kids. He doesn't know how to go in the bedroom or talk to him in the car. The average man in our Christian homes have never served communion in their house. Never. And here's the deal. We've never taught them how to do it. We've Mm. taught what they need to start doing instead of encouraging that what they're doing needs to be taken to the next level. Yeah. And that issue, that simple issue of the power of the father, you know, Rick, I have twin boys that are five years old. I have four children, two girls, two teenage girls, and I think they're uh, excelling. I see them serving the Lord, but I'm really scared right now in hopefully in a God fearing type way in terms of my boys, you know, five years old, because I remember who I was as a teenager without Christ, who I was as as a man without Christ Mm -hmm. and saying, man, I have to set the tone. I have to set the tone as a man to be a man of God, even though I'm a pastor, like I'm talking about my home, you know, I'm talking about me, my Christianity, my faith, that I exemplify that faith beyond just the position that I hold. Absolutely. And that's a very good point, Jeremiah. Most 
parent, most fathers understand that women are moved by information. They, they are moved by the information ability to ascertain and to process. Most men are moved by inspiration. And so what happens in most of our men's devotions, when I'm helping men in men's retreats, I share with them what we did with my son. Was for my son, I made life experience devotions. Bev and I, my wife and I, made life experience devotions. Tell us what's going on in your day. And let's see what Christ did in it. Our daughter, I have a daughter. She wanted it line upon line, precept upon precept. <laughs> she wanted the building block. She wanted the formula. My son wanted to understand the conceptual. My daughter wanted to understand the contextual. So most men, when they are talking to their children, they try to be contextual when this when they ought to ask the son to become part of the participation of the devotion and not just the hearer of the devotion because what we do we just teach our sons how to hear we teach them how to hear when they're adults in the pews Mm -hmm. and not to be servants in the in the church that's wise great well you're a men's ministry director for the isms god national office how did you get into that i mean obviously we've heard your story now we understand that Obviously, your encounter with Jesus, how you got saved, uh, your father is, I mean, was your relationship with your father and how you got saved, did that really springboard you into doing ministry and being passionate about men's ministry today? Or how did that? Well, you know, my ministry, if those people who have known me for a long time will know it was my youth ministries that really that really triggered everything that happened. Uh, I've been a youth pastor, senior pastor. I've been a missionary I've worked in one of our state offices, and now I work in our national office. And the the thing that that I would that how I ended up in men's ministries is that our former super, general superintendent, who was over the Assemblies of God, came to me after I was working in our missions department. I'm over one of our missions ministries called Light for the Lost, also. And he asked, "Would I?" would I consider being the men's director? And I asked if I do, can I shift the paradigm? Because we have to realize that every discipled man must be missional and every missional man must be discipled. The issue is the average man is neither discipled or missional. So how do you get a man who is not engaged in the understanding of the administration of vision if he's serving on the board or the facilitation of ministries, if he's helping with ministry components within the church, how do you teach that man to to step back in? How do you help that man? Uh, remember, your you, the strength of your marriage will only be as strong as the pain you can endure from the marriage. The strength of your life will only be as strong as the pain that you can endure from the life. And the strength of your ministry will only, can only will only be as strong as the pain you can endure. And and that's where it's not about pain points. It's about pain recognition and targeted on-ramps to give men hope. Yeah. Men want to know how to do it, not what to do. So when you <laughs> yeah. tell men to get into a small group study, men won't do a small group study. But if you sit down on Wednesday nights, and right now, and I know a few months ago you had Dan Kirsten on, but if you do our small group studies, we'll see men get involved in our small group studies 
And the next thing you know, they've got six, seven men. They're doing them at coffee shops and they're doing them all over their their communities because once they learn how to, they're ready to go. Yeah, that's awesome. Great thoughts, Rick. You guys, we're going to wrap it up here in just a couple of minutes. But guys, any final thoughts here? Questions for Rick? No, I've just been inspired. Yeah, so. same here. Well, Rick, if you inspired Kelly Stevens, then you must have really hit a home run here today on the Modern Christian Dads podcast. And, you know, he, he could use some one on time, one on one time with you, I think. How much how much would that cost? Let's make a deal. Well, here. I tell you what, for Kelly, I'll give it to, I'll give it to him for free and I'll send you the bill. Hey, he'll he'll take you uh, fly fishing down there two two rivers and you just he'll let you he'll teach you to fly fish and you just unload on him there while you're doing that. That's a deal. <laughs> If I could, let me make one more statement to the younger fathers. Mm, yes. If you're under the age of 45, understand this. It is your experiences that God wants to use to train you in the knowledge of his word and the behaviors of your future. Don't look at the facts of, of what you need to know and then the actions of how you should behave. The God you're serving is giving you an experience every day as a young adult, as a young man, as a man that has uh, influence or man that's going through pain. As a young man, allow the experiences of God to help you understand more about God and then understand how your actions towards the experiences can help you grow. Don't wait till you know. Allow God to take you on a pathway of, of just the great unknown. And God will bless you because in this generation we're living in, we are living in a microcosm of a technical blimp. Everything changes mm -hmm. at the rate of yep. the rate of light. But here's the one thing that happens. Every change you make, every change a man makes is because he's hungry for another experience. Mm. And allow God to give you those experiences as you change at the rate of light, because God is light. So don't don't fear that you don't know enough. God yeah. will give you experiences, just like you did me. If I yep. didn't know John three sixteen and look where I'm at, what can God do? <laughs> yeah. Wow. Praise God. Such good stuff, Rick. Uh, just on a practical level, uh, how could guys follow you or resources or Facebook page, Twitter handle? Instagram, where can oh, people follow you? Well, there's a couple ways. You know, you can just find me at, on my Facebook page, Rick Allen. You can go to our men's ministries website, www.men.ag.org, men.ag.org. And you can find all kinds of resources that we've created. And lastly, I just you can follow me on, on YouTube and things of that nature. But here's the deal. The man that's listening to us and the leader that's listening to us, remember this. It is the principles that you bury in your heart that will bring the seed for tomorrow's harvest. And if you do not have the principles in your heart, you're going to chase a personality. And wherever that personality takes you, it may not bring you a harvest. Mm -hmm. Praise God. Well, what a great way, guys to end uh, season one of the Modern Christian Dads podcast, as my wife's calling me right now on this, hey, what's happening? No, not the invasion again, no. We just got over it. Ah!
<laughs> man, such great thoughts from Rick Allen. Yes, uh, what a, what great stuff, man. I hope that challenged you, encouraged you, inspired you. We are the Modern Christian Dads. We hope that you listen to us each and every episode. We exist to encourage and to entertain you. So guys, next time we talk to you, it's going to be episode one, season two. We'll talk to you next time. Modern Christian dads, 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 dads, dads.